Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're very glad that you are joining us. A Reason for Hope, in case this is your first time with us, is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided, for the most part, by your questions on the Bible. That's right, you can send in your questions on our multiple online platforms and we will delve into the Word of God to find the answers to those questions. So it could be a verse or passage of Scripture that you'd like explained or, or expounded upon maybe even something you're going through in your life and you'd like a biblical perspective, maybe something that has confuddled you in your life, maybe even Christianity as a whole or something that you heard that you think might contradict uh, the Bible or anything along those lines, as long as it's an honest question and as long as you know that the Bible is the source of the answers for us here at A Reason for Hope. That's what we are all about. My name is Dave Robson. I'm your host today and we'll be keeping an eye on all those online platforms as your questions come on in with us today, Pastor Scott Richards, who's the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. How are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a very exciting time to be on the air and can't wait to see how the Lord leads on the questions. Absolutely. I know. We yeah. never know where it's going to go, just to whatever questions <laughs> yes, come in. Yes, we work without a net here. Well, that's right. Sometimes there's a theme that runs through. Sometimes it takes all these left and right turns. But, turns, but uh, Hey, we're up for whatever the Lord's up for, we're up for. That's so. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Also okay. with us, Pastor Sean Richards. How are you doing today? Welcome back. You had a bit of time off under the weather. Good to see you. Yeah. Apologies for my absence yesterday. I'll remunerate with a lemon basket as soon as I remember where I dropped that seed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Works for right. me. Yeah. Yeah. Works for me. I'll make it work for me too. Well, as I mentioned, Reason for Hope is a live broadcast. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Tucson, Arizona is where we're broadcasting from. It's a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. So you can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. You will find us live there. If you go to that uh, Watch Live tab, whenever we're live, we stream to that page. But while you're at our website, you're welcome to have a click around there. And if you're in the Tucson, Arizona area and looking for somewhere to fellowship and worship the Lord, you're more than welcome to come check us out, Calvary Christian Fellowship. We're near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway there. So if you're looking for somewhere, you're welcome to come, as I say, and see what we're all about here. But on that Watch Live tab at calvarychristianfellowship.com, that will take you to our live page, and you'll see the video there. You can sign in with a username and then be part of the broadcast in the chat function. I'll be uh, joining in with you right there. Um, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next show, and uh, you'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well our Reason for Hope show Monday through Friday and also our weekend services and Wednesday evening service. We have a service tonight and you can stick around for after the show at 6.30 p.m. Uh, but it's all right there on that page. The direct link is ccftucson.online.church. If you type that into your search bar, ccftucson.online.church, that's our live page. Or again, just follow the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com and you will find us there. We're on Facebook as well. If you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, or facebook.com slash Tucson, You will find us live there right now as well. And you can uh, send your question in through the comments. And don't forget to like and share. We'd love to have a further reach. So if you've been blessed by this ministry, um, don't forget to click on the like and to share us around to your buddies as well. We'd appreciate that. So that's on Facebook. We have a, a mobile app as well for your iPhone or Android or mobile device. Look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You guessed it on your app store. Look for that red background with the white Calvary Chapel Dove logo. There are a few Calvary Christian fellowships around the world, so look for that red background, white Calvary Chapel Dove logo, and that's us. That's our app. 
if you download that you can watch us live there as well and there's other messages and content on there for for your listening and viewing pleasure also uh, we have a channel on roku and apple tv so if you have those devices look for us in your channel store you can watch us on your big screen why wouldn't you want to do that what a treat <laughs> indeed we're on youtube a reason for hope is the name of the channel on youtube so look for a reason for hope anytime we've been live it's archived there on that live tab so if you missed a show or you want to recap or check out our services here at uh, CCF, you can do all that right there on YouTube. And once again, don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, click on that notification bell. That means that you'll get a little ping when we are live and it'll be a little prompt to come and join us. Uh, Pastor Scott right here with us. He's on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, look for Scott R4H is his handle. That's at Scott, letter R, number four, letter H where he posts highlights from the show and commentary on world events and tomfoolery and shenanigans. Uh, so join with him on Twitter if you're a Twitter kind of person, Scott Richards. You'll find him there. We're on Rumble as well, uh, Reason for Hope Bible Q&A, if you look for that on Rumble, where we post uh, archived uh, videos and um, questions of the week and things like that. So if you're on Rumble, we have some content there for you as well, for Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. And our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com you're welcome to email us there anytime uh, we get to those questions as well if you're listening to us on reach radio or another radio affiliate um, we're glad you're tuning in but you are listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded so we're not live with you per se but uh, that email address is going to be the best way to get hold of us questions for hope at gmail.com send us your questions there and we will try and get to that on our next show but welcome everyone, whatever platform you're on, however you've stumbled upon us or intentionally found us, you're very welcome. And we, again, invite you to send your questions in, get them in early. Sometimes we do run out of time, so get them on in and I will be monitoring all those platforms and we'll get to as many as we can today. Well, without further ado, let's pray. Let's do, do that. Yeah. Sean, would you like to pray today? Oh boy, absolutely. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Great. It's been a while. Dad, thank you that we have the chance to be here. Please continue to reserve and restore my body and to equip all of us to be able to receive and relate your spirit to one another, whether it's in a heart capable of hearing your voice or minds capable of receiving and relating it. Allow this program and everything that's involved to glorify you exactly as you've called it to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 See, it's just like riding a bike. You never forget. <laughs> I was gone one day for corn's sake. <laughs> yes. Well, Pastor Scott, um, often you give us a bit of an update. What's going on in the world? Is there a prophecy update today you'd like to share with us? Yeah, um, sort of um, uh, some things that are definitely in the brew. Our good uh, friend uh, and uh, go-to guy we consider about all things uh, happening in Israel, Amir Safadi, uh, one of the great... Uh, a Bible prophecy guys and obviously a uh, retired IDF officer has some great connections uh, in Israel. Uh, his, uh, his Behold Israel website, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, he does uh, video updates on his Telegram platform. I don't believe I'm on Telegram, but uh, kind of get the uh, after effects of uh, some of the things he's posted. But uh, he and a, a number of different sources, all Israel uh, uh, dot uh, org uh, that is uh, joel rosenberg's website and uh, the jerusalem post also has a nod to this as well uh, in that there are strong hints that uh, there is going to be 
a preemptive strike against uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon. Now, for those of you not familiar with the main terroristic players uh, surrounding Israel at this time, uh, we're familiar with Hamas. Uh, they are the ones that uh, are the uh, main player in Gaza, along with Islamic Jihad, the ones that Israel got involved in the missile war uh, of the last 10 days. Uh, Hamas is uh, generally better equipped. Islamic Jihad, fully owned uh, and run subsidiary of uh, the Mad Mullahs in Tehran. Uh, uh, Hamas uh, tends to play a bit against the middle, not as knee-deep uh, involved in taking their orders from the Mad Mullahs in Tehran, but certainly uh, on the same page with them as far as wanting the destruction of Israel is concerned. So you have uh, them. Then you have the Fatah, uh, party, uh, which is run by Mahmoud Abbas. Abbas uh, created uh, a dust-up today by uh, making a statement that uh, the only reason that uh, the United States supported the foundation of the state of Israel was they wanted to kick all the Jews out of America. Well, <laughs> that certainly is a very interesting piece of historical analysis, uh, caught uh, the condemnation of our State Department and so on. But this is the kind of rhetoric you have to trade in if you're going to keep your job. And by the way, Mahmoud Abbas, who is the moderate head of the Palestinian Authority and the Fatah Party, also has as a part of their charter the destruction of the nation of Israel. Uh, they just believe in doing it by increments, not in one big drive them into the sea push like their uh, fellows down south. Uh, but uh, he just created quite a dust up with that particular statement. But the big news seems to be that uh, Israel has adopted a different kind of a doctrine uh, militarily as far as dealing with terroristic attacks. Uh, for instance, uh, Islamic Jihad launched uh, a salvo of about 100 rockets at Israel uh, in response to the death by hunger strike of uh, one of their leaders who was in an Israeli jail. Israel then let things calm down just a hair and then took the initiative when they received intelligence that Islamic Jihad was planning a much larger strike uh, even the possibility of using terror tunnels to come into Israeli territory, kidnap Israeli citizens and such. And uh, as a result, uh, took the initiative and took out six of their main leaders. And, uh, you know, there were over a thousand rockets launched. But uh, eventually, Islamic Jihad uh, took a pretty major bruising in all of that. Uh, but uh, now it appears that uh, Hezbollah, the uh, really hardcore in the pocket of the Mad Mullahs in Iran, a uh, terrorist group uh, led up by Hassan Nasrallah, uh, the sheikh there that uh, runs the show for them, uh, and uh, really over the years has collected quite a bit of very highly sophisticated and uh, significantly powerful uh, missile technology in Lebanon. Uh, there are indications that they are planning a major uh, attack on Israel. In fact, uh, Hezbollah invited uh, dignitaries, if we want to use uh, that term, from Yemen and from Syria to uh, visit them in a mock-up Israeli town that they mm -hmm. built inside their territory in Lebanon to show exactly how they would come in and raid the town, raise it to the ground, take captives and haul them back to Lebanon, that this is going to be their new technique. And using techniques uh, that uh, they have borrowed from the uh, Iranian Republican Guards, 
uh, they put on quite a show. It was supposedly quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, Israel's paying uh, pretty significant attention to this. They're also paying pretty significant attention to the fact that, uh, by la- latest estimate, uh, Iran could go entirely uh, nuclear as far as having a nuclear weapon goes, as far as enrichment goes. They give the okay in 12 days. Uh, from the go-ahead order to having a functional nuclear device, 12 days, uh, they could have this in place. And so Israel is not going to be playing defense uh, in this set of circumstances. It's entirely possible that they are going to go on the offensive and, uh, and take uh, the initiative as far as what's going on, particularly in Lebanon. The idea of having a uh, knockdown dragout uh, with uh, very well-equipped, well-financed, uh, sophisticated uh, weapons-equipped uh, organization like Hezbollah in Lebanon, certainly something uh, that uh, would happen, but not without uh, significant impact uh, upon Israel. You know, when uh, these terrorist groups attack from Gaza, Gaza is far to the south, uh, kind of on the border between southern Israel and uh, Sinai as it was headed, headed back to Egypt. It's uh, this little strip of land down there along the coast. Uh, if they're lucky, uh, they would have the technology to be able to get a missile or two into the, say, uh, Tel Aviv area or into the foothills around Jerusalem. But uh, Hezbollah has the wherewithal to be able to hit virtually any point um, in northern Israel, including the major cities, including Jerusalem, uh, including Haifa, in, uh, including uh, Tel Aviv. And so uh, rather than sitting around and waiting for uh, Hezbollah to actually uh, decide when and where. Uh, Israel very well may be the ones who are deciding uh, the when and where. Uh, following Hezbollah's recent uh, drill that they put on for the entertainment of uh, people from Yemen and so on, uh, the commander of IDF's military intelligence unit, Major General Aharon Haliva, issued a warning stating that the chances of an escalation that could deteriorate into war is not low. Nasrallah is close to making a mistake that could plunge the region into a big war. He is close to making the mis- mistake from Lebanon or Syria, uh, cautioned Haliva at a security conference. Uh, due to the power and proximity to Israel, Hezbollah could likely play a prominent role in any future military escalation between Iran and the Jewish state. Hezbollah reportedly possesses a vast arsenal of around 100,000 mm-hmm. rockets uh, capable of reaching any point within Israel's territory. Uh, so, uh, essentially, uh, that's an issue. Uh, also, uh, a, another development is that Iran is developing civilian vessels, like tankers, into floating terrorist bases. Uh, these ships weigh uh, tens, sometimes hundreds of thousands of tons. They're capable of carrying all kinds of weapons, including drones, missiles, advanced assault and intelligence systems. And uh, they aim to form, according to All Israel News, a front-line terrorist base in areas that are remote from the Iranian border. Uh, so uh, the idea behind all of this and this acceleration means that, uh, as we have mentioned to you before, wars and rumors of wars, particularly as they pertain to Israel itself, are one of those birth pains. We have seen uh, a birth pain happen in exchange with Islamic Jihad. It seemingly has gone down, calmed down, uh, even to the point where uh, during uh Flag Day in Israel, where they celebrated the unification of Jerusalem under Israeli control. No 
organized terrorist actions uh, to speak of took place. Clashes between individuals, sure, but uh, no missile launches or anything like that. Uh, boy, there's only one thing that should make you more nervous in that area than uh, when these terrorist groups are launching missiles. It's when they're not, mm. because something's going on. Mm. And it does appear Amir, Amir Sarfati uh, talked about the, the fact that he has some intelligence that indicates that something big is in the offing and that Israel's response is also going to be big. So as always, wow. pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I think uh, we're probably looking within the next couple of weeks of seeing another birth pain, but uh, wow. don't hold me that I'm not prophesying that, but it does seem like the issues on the ground do move in that particular direction. Yeah, certainly sounds like a very pregnant situation, if I can use that term. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. pray. Pray, yeah. pray, pray. Pray, and, uh, and we'll keep you updated as uh, much as we can. Again, All Israel News, great site to go to uh, for uh, insight on all this. I also usually check out the Jerusalem Post on these things. Uh, but uh, Behold Israel, uh, again, Amir Sarfati does a tremendous job. Hmm. And uh, if you want to download his uh, Telegram app on your cell phone, uh, you can get his uh, updates as he uh, posts them. He usually does mm. a, a big weekly update that I really enjoy, uh, but he also does uh, live videos, uh, just him and his cell phone, wherever he yeah. happened to be. He was in Oslo, Norway last night yeah. doing a, <laughs> an update. So, well, we've uh, all been so there. really, really good things to have under your belt. Yeah, thank you. Thanks yeah. for that update. Wow. Well, we have some questions coming in. Yeah, you guys let's ready dive in. to jump on into that. Uh, question from uh, Gintz with a G. A uh, question that you asked yesterday, and you're joining us again today. Thank you for doing that and hanging in there. Uh, Gintz asks, is it dangerous to stay in our comfort zone, or does God call us out of our comfort zone? If you are, for example, if you are an introvert, is it because God made you one, or are you meant to change and become an extrovert? All uh, sympathies towards social anxiety. The, I think, best way to view this isn't for God to call us out of our comfort zone, but for him to be our comfort zone. Yeah. Because obviously you look at the lives of his earliest followers, the people who bore witness to his earthly ministry, they were called into some pretty rough stuff, and yet you read about their perspective of it, and they said, that's where God had me. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't want to be anywhere but where he was, because that's my comfort, that's my peace. He's my comfort, he's my peace. Mm. So when we obviously have a proclivity towards, uh, I guess, functioning without having to exhaust our social batteries, to use the modern term, it's not because you have a disability or a mental disorder or some sort of excuse to isolate yourself. Proverbs 18.1 says that he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. As a very introverted person, I've had to commit that one to memory as you can tell, because I have to deal with that as a temptation not to, I guess, fall back on my flesh if I'm going to be frank with myself. Now, you all can take this for what it's worth, but I think the best attitude to have is to say, okay, I have the opportunity to live today for myself or for Christ. My comfort zone, my own convenience can be whatever personality or social archetype I define myself under. I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I'm a fellowshipper. Well, I'm a, I'm a studier. You know, you can put spiritual terms on it all day long, but the key is to be where Jesus has called you. 
Sometimes there's days where you can simply rest in him despite your social dispositions. Other days you can have the opportunity to engage with people and see the Spirit do some things that you may not have had the uh, capacity to do apart from him. Gifts of prophecy do, in fact, happen. But when we're, I guess, uh, caught in what you call that a paralysis by analysis situation yeah. and saying, am I being too pushy with these people for an extrovert? Or if I'm mm. an introvert and saying, am I keeping the gospel from people? Am I missing out on a calling God may have for me? There's always a balance between yeah. the two, and there's nothing wrong with one proclivity over another. The key is to say, is it keeping you from Jesus, or is it where he has you? Sometimes that may be a challenge, but that's the fact of living in a fallen world. Our flesh doesn't want to do what what ought to be done, Romans 7 says. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, as far as comfort zones go, uh, it seems to me that uh, the nature, again, of uh, walking by faith is, uh, by definition, getting us out of uh, a comfort zone. I mean, uh, consider what Jesus said uh, about uh, one of the most basic commands of the Christian life. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you do not greet your, if you greet your brethren only, uh, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore you shall be perfect or whole, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, you know, I guess what I see in that, and what I've certainly experienced in my life, is that God delights, I think, in putting us in places where we've got no choice but to trust in Him, because if we have a fallback position, chances are we're going to fall back on it, you know? And and, and so it, when Jesus says, I want you to love, but I just don't want you to love the lovely. Uh, I just don't want you to love people you're comfortable with or that you know or, or you know, that you, you are part of your inner circle. I, I even want you to love people that uh, all uh, things considered, you really want to want to have anything to do with. Yeah. Why? Because when we put ourselves in these situations uh, against, here's what happens. I find myself in a place where I'm like, wow, Lord, I don't have the love this person needs. I don't have the patience this person needs. I don't have uh, the joy or the peace to minister to this person, but you do. And, you know, the essence of the Christian life uh, is this. It's intended to be a supernatural exercise. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 said, for I've been crucified with Christ. I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, that's an amazing statement. Uh, and, and, and so I shouldn't be so concerned about, uh, you know, finding ways where I can express my natural tendency as an extrovert or, right. you know, staying away from people that are quiet because I tend to be loud and verbose. Uh, what I should be concerned about is, okay, Lord, who do you have in mind for me to love today? Mm. And, and love them through me. Yep. You know, don't bring my personality to the table. Let them see your personality through all of this. And were there times where Jesus was uh, very forceful and forthright? Absolutely, we don't uh, really doubt that. But there were also times where Jesus was remarkably reticent. We're told when he was brought before Herod and Herod wanted to see a miracle, peppered him with questions, Jesus didn't answer him a thing. Mm. So, you know, we see in Jesus the, the perfect balance of the personality. 
Uh, and, and so if I ask that same Jesus through his Holy Spirit to love through me in, in a particular set of circumstances, no matter what's going on, well, maybe if I'm an introvert, it'll mean be a little bit more extra, extrovert. If I'm an extrovert, maybe it's going to be me turning down the volume and being a little bit more <laughs> introvert. More, yeah. You know, be more interested in listening than, than putting in my two cents yeah. worth. So, but it's all about being Christ-like. Yeah. Um, you know, be careful about labels. You know, we take these tests and there's like this mm -hmm. enneagram thing that's really popular about nine different things, and you got to figure out, you know, what your personality is and what your gifts are. And, you know, I've seen these things come and go. Um, you know, the, the, the problem that people get into, it's always interesting to find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. But the, the problem is people get locked into these things. And yeah. you say, well, this is just how I am. Right. Well, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old mm -hmm. things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You know, we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Lord the Spirit. So, you know, whether uh, I naturally gravitate towards one personality subset or not, doesn't matter. My job description is to be like Jesus. Yeah. Whether I'm a loud mouth or, or whether I tend to be a listener, uh, either way, uh, the, the, the goal should be to pray for the filling of God's Holy Spirit daily, his empowering work to uh, bring these things into balance so that you can really love other people and not be so concerned about me and my personality type and what I'm comfortable with as much as saying, wow, you know, here's another great opportunity to work without a net. Yeah. You know, here's another great opportunity to see how faithful the Lord is to use people in extraordinary ways. And, and, and you know, just the whole thing that Jesus got into there, uh, if you just love people who love you back, you've just done what the secular do. Right. How's that any different? Yep. God wants to give us a different life. Yeah. Man, <clears throat> there's a thing I, I've been hearing a lot recently and had conversations see what you guys think of this but something we say in like our christianese is like oh well i didn't have peace about that and um i've just been hearing how dangerous that can be because i think god will lead us into things that we don't have peace with i guess it depends on your definition of peace but things that we're uncomfortable with you know we don't god's not always going to make us comfortable with everything we have to do he may say lead us to talk to this person or whatever or like you say have uh, conversations with people that we may not necessarily want to. There might not be a peace there. And I see in in the Bible, he called people that even, you know, Moses, like, I, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> no yeah. You know, he didn't have peace with it, but God was like, I will be with yeah, you. Yeah, I'd so. love to be your spokesman, God, but uh, I've never been eloquent before or since. Yeah. So I just don't have a peace about that. Yeah. Find somebody else. Right. Which so wasn't the, true, and yeah. God got <laughs> mad after putting up with it for a while. Yeah. Right. But that that's something, I guess, to be careful with. Would you agree? Like, to say, well, I don't have peace. I'm not... What, what we're saying is I'm not comfortable with that, so obviously that's not God leading me to do it. And yeah, I that, that was the, the point I was making with Romans 7. There's always a conflict between what we want to do and where our peace ought to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. is great. Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean you, you know, the, the peace of God that passes all understanding can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus yeah. in certain sets of circumstances. But, you know, once again, you know, ask for some discernment from the Lord. Is yeah. that a reason or an excuse? Right. You right. know, because excuses don't lead you to walk by faith. We don't walk by faith. We don't grow. We don't grow. Well, our Christian lives get old and stale and cold. We don't that's want right. that to happen. That's so. right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. That's a great question, Gintz. Thank you. That was a that was a really great discussion. Thank you for that. And thank you again for hanging in there with your, your question. Hope that, that helps you out. Um, so yes, I guess is the answer to your question. It is dangerous to <laughs> just stay comfortable as you are for all of us. Like you said, Pastor Scott, whether you're introvert or extrovert. Um, what would the Lord have us do? Yeah. Thanks again for that question. Great one. A uh, question from Philip 
Um, he's talking about the, the parable of the talents. Uh, his comment is that some people don't think it was fair that some got 10 talents, some got five talents, um, some uh, get one, but I think it is fair because the person with one talent wasted it and had he had 10, he would have wasted 10. Um, so it seems like it is fair, but oh. is Philip along the right lines there? Or? Yeah, let me just read verse 15 before I get fired. It says, and to one he gave <laughs> five late. talents, and to two he gave another one, and each according to his own ability. Mm. So the master's delineation of these resources was according to who he knew and who would be, as your point is, faithful. But obviously this is an illustrative story it's not saying this you know, sort of nihilistic predestination thing of god knowing the people who would fail him and thus setting them up for a situation where their failure would be kind of minimalized that that's not the point the point of the parable is usually found in the punchline and the kingdom parables in particular people can get into trouble when they read too much into the themes Minutia, of the story yeah, yeah. as opposed to yeah. what it was actually talking yeah. about, which is the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, the, the thing I would say is, you know, as far as the, the delineation of uh, giving different amounts to different people, is that fair or not? Well, a couple of things I'd say, and here's where I get fired. Yeah. God isn't fair. <laughs> I'm going to be on my own here. <laughs> I, 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 um, that might sound like a kind of, God is not fair. Mm. Fair is a human construct. Yeah. God is just. He's beyond fair. Um, you know, he, right. he's completely holy in everything he does. You know, we try to be equitable and we try to balance everything out the best we can because we're all on that same horizontal level. But God's not limited to all of that. That's yeah. the first thing I would say. Right. Secondly, uh, you know, as far as why different people got different talents in the, you know, the, the parable and the grand scheme of things, uh, well, I always go back to Psalm 33 where it says, the Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men, the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the, the children of men. He fashions their hearts individually hmm. and considers all their deeds. You know, in, in other words, God doesn't work in cookie cutters. He doesn't just stamp out people on an assembly line. He works with us individually and considers exactly, you know, where we're coming from. Sees us inside and out, uh, you know, which is just an amazing thing. But as far as the parable of the talents go, why the guy the one talent get his talent taken away well listen to the 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 the, uh, the what happened there then he received the one talent said lord i knew you to be a hard man reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed and i was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground look you have what is yours well why was this guy so unproductive i mean even to the point where he could have given it to the bankers and gotten a little interest on it because he'd completely misjudged the generous nature of his master. Mm. How generous was this master? He was so generous that he took the guy with five talents, gave him five more. And, and charge over 10 cities when he got his kingdom. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's not like uh, this guy completely misread the master. And, and I think when we get into these kind of conversations about, well, is God not fair? Why does he do this for this person? Why does he do that? Yeah. The other thing, well, once again, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, we were in Ezekiel 18, last week where God calls Israel out and uh, you know says the way of the Lord's not fair you guys say well, it's not my ways that aren't fair it's your ways that aren't fair mm. uh, you know God says look uh, if you understood who I really am and didn't have a distorted picture of me then this wouldn't be an issue mm. but the fact that, that this guy had completely misrepresented misread God and isn't it funny uh, oftentimes people 
that have like this bone to pick with God and they think he's mean and judgmental and, and angry. You know, some of them are the most mean and judgmental and angry people I've ever met. So, you know. It takes one to know one, I guess. I think it was H.L. Mencken who said that in the beginning, uh, God made a man in his own image and likeness ever since we've been returning the favor. Yeah. So when we get into this God's not fair kind of thing, well, could it be because we're not really fair in our dealings with other people and we project that character flaw we yeah. have on God. Mm -hmm. Uh, but God doesn't play by our rules. Yeah. You know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts, not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways, purer than our ways. Yeah. God always gets it right. I don't several times a day. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I don't blame God for that. Yeah. You know, I accept that and realize that I've got uh, a ways to go. And, uh, you know, pointing fingers and saying, well, I, I just don't know about this. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the friend of mine who was in the construction business in California, Keith Mathias, uh, always used to say, "There's a lot of great, uh, there's a lot of uh, good excuses, but no good reasons." Mm. You know, um, we can give all kinds of excuses as to why we don't want to follow God, or don't want to do this certain thing, or you know, we think this is unreasonable, or or you can't expect me to go and take the initiative and apologize to this person. They got to come to me first. Uh, you know, we can get it all wrapped up in all of this, or we can look at who God is yeah. and uh, the, how generous, now kind he's been to us and, and how he wants to lead us hand in hand to walk in that same way. Yeah. You know, and so if, if you look at God that way, like in the parable, generous God gives the guy another five uh, talents of, of, of precious metals and puts them over 10 cities. I said a pretty generous guy yep. you want to be dealing with. I'd like to have a boss like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just so I can play dictionary here and that we're not talking over people. You mentioned precious metals. A talent isn't like, oh, that person's so talented. Uh, talent was a measurement of weight in money, and it was the most that you could legally expect someone to carry without uh, killing them. Um, in Italian measurement, it was around 90 pounds. In Jewish culture, it was around 110. So when you read stuff like in Revelation 16, for instance, that the hailstones were a weight of a talent, that's uh, not saying that these hailstones had a very flair. Knew how their... to do ventriloquism. <laughs> no, no, they, they, they were <laughs> yeah. big and they were heavy. So when he was given a talent of money, it was a huge sum. Uh, the, even the guy with one talent was given an exorbitant windfall and he wasted it. That's the point. Yes, very good. Sometimes I like to tell myself any day that I'm not in hell, then I am blessed. Yes. You know, because yeah. talking about a generous God, when we say, it's not fair, God. Oh, you want fair? I'll give you fair. <laughs> that, that, that's fair. You can yeah. go into eternal darkness without yeah. me because that's what you deserve. That's what's fair. You know, we're all experiencing God's grace. So, uh, well, Philip, thank you for that uh, question and for being part of the show. We appreciate that and you being with us. Uh, question from Clinton. Clinton. Uh, is there anything wrong with me? I don't have a job. I still live with my parents at 29 years old. I don't drive. Is God upset with me? Am I wasting my talents? Again, there's a theme. Um, thank you. That's from Clinton. I guess what are your talents? I've, we've uh, had uh, hospital visits with people who just feel like, oh, this is so discouraging. There's so many things that I need to be doing with my life, and yeah. they're quadriplegic and <laughs> terminal. Yeah. There's not a lot that's to be expected of you. If you have like cerebral palsy or something and you're in that condition, then there's not much expected of you. If you have uh, social disabilities or uh, autism, for instance, and you have that yearning to want to do more, but you just physically can't, the 
first step, this is the comfort side of the conversation, is don't let culture dictate your expectations of you when there's actually good reason for these sort of things to be in place. If your parents have you around, it could be a fault of theirs, but it also could not. So just consider that. The exhortation part of this, obviously, it isn't that God's mad at you, but when we limit ourselves to the sort of things that he can do in and through us, that's more of a loss of reward on our part, not necessarily a heartbreak to him. When we're following God, it's for our help, not God's benefit. So if we neglect God's help, it doesn't hurt him. It's hurting us ultimately. He's grieved, but that's only because he cares about our ultimate well-being, his, our fellowship with him. Obviously, we live in a culture that prides itself on you know, going out, making a name for yourself, pursuing the American dream and all that. But due to uh, incidents that largely stemmed out of Michigan, we're living for the next 48 years in a very difficult economic situation. Uh, housing prices are through the roof. And I don't frankly blame people who are taking a step back and saying, I need to kind of ride out the storm until it passes, if it does. The point being made is, and just full disclosure, I can't couldn't afford an apartment at this season in my life i have to live at the mercy of a very generous man from our church in a spare bedroom that he had and i could be ashamed you pay of that. rent yeah of yeah. course but i'm yeah. saying i could be ashamed of that or i could say this is where god's called me and i'm thankful for the fact that i even have that blessing you can be thankful for the fact that your parents are hosting your house you can be thankful that you have people in your life I assume that make it so you don't have to out of necessity get a car and drive, but just take those two things into consideration. A, are you expecting too much of yourself or not taking other factors into consideration? B, okay, you have this conviction maybe in your heart. You're, the Spirit's calling you to say there's certain things that you could be doing but aren't. Here's an opportunity to man up, so to speak. Yeah. Take both into consideration, but A, don't expect too much of yourself. Don't let culture dictate your worth before God or his perception of you. B, if you're feeling called to those things, then don't whine, pursue them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I would agree with that. You know, the, the, the key thing that I would say under this set of uh, circumstances is, you know, we don't have enough details yeah. as to why you're in this set of circumstances. You know, maybe there are uh, some limitations that you have physically uh, that uh, would preclude you from getting a driver's license. That's nothing to be condemned about. Right. Uh, you know, there may be some limitations as far as your mobility, things along these lines. Uh, you know, I, I, there, there's really not enough information there to be able to answer the question. We always err on the side of grace here, and I would just assume that whatever circumstance that you're in, uh, you can glorify God by walking with him. If you can't do anything else, then be there uh, at your parents' place. Make sure that as far as it's possible on you, you lighten the load for them. You honor your father and mother as the scripture says to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, you know, again, play, uh, stay in your lane, I guess I would say, just because some other people are able to do certain things and there's sort of a normal normalcy uh, aspect to getting a job and having your own place and paying your own rent and, mm -hmm. and so on. Not everybody can do that, and no. God understands that. And so God doesn't have, like we say, this cookie cutter sort of thing, where you have to do this and this and this, or you know, you're 
wasting your life. Mm -hmm. God takes the whole of you into consideration. He sees the whole person. He ministers to you along those lines. And, and some people, you know, are able to do much with a lot of talents and gifts that they have. A lot of people are talented and gifted and not doing very much with them. Mm. You know, some people are in a situation where they're very restricted, physical, mental, emotional, you name it, kind of reasons. Uh, and yet they are able, even within those confines, to really honor God, even with a very small audience, if you will, it's yeah. a seemingly a small impact, but there's no such thing as a small impact in the eyes of God. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, standard operating procedure goes, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, tells us uh, that, uh, you know, as far as loving brotherly love, you should have no need that I should write to you uh, yourselves or taught by God to love one another. Indeed, you do toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside. You may lack nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, here's your compass heading, I would say. Just be in a situation, even if it's limited. Make sure you pray daily for the filling and coming upon power of the Holy Spirit to love through you. And if that's just your parents and just those under your roof, at the end of the day, if the love of Jesus Christ has is, is moved through you in tangible and practical ways, then, then great. If God is maybe prompting you and saying, I want you to get out of your comfort zone, seems like a theme, a theme. on the, 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 the program today, and you're able to take some more steps in that direction that can kind of lighten the load for those in your household, then by all means, take advantage of that. But don't feel condemned if there are some insurmountable boundaries and blocks that you just have, uh, life in a fallen world. You know, all of us have our tweaks and, 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 our, and our problems, our difficulties. Uh, you know, what, what God wants you to do is just be faithful to what you got. Yeah. And if you're faithful to ask that filling and anointing of the Holy Spirit, letting him love through you just today, you're gonna be fine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the way Clinton said, is God upset with me? You get that impression that something's holding him back. So like you say, it'd be good to assess, like what is, why is he in the situation? Like you say, is there some ailment or something or is he just holding himself back? Or? Yeah, but gen generally speaking, Clinton, you know, there is no condemnation for those who are yeah. in Christ Jesus. Right. God doesn't look at you with his arms folded and a scowl on his face and oh man, you again, I can't believe it. Yeah. No, that, that's not his nature. Um, you know, his, his love is incomprehensible to mm. us. His, mm. his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Mm. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. Yeah. You know, and I think we have that perspective. We kind of get out of this, is God mad at me mentality right. that really drives a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not yeah. good. Not good yeah. at all. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, thank you, Clinton, for that, that question. Hope that helps you out and just uh, gives you some peace there in your life and some guidance as well, maybe. And you're welcome to email us questionsforhope at gmail.com if you want to explain your situation a bit more. We'd love to, to read that and maybe revisit that as well. So, uh, But we're glad you're part of the show today. Question from Yari, uh, one of our regulars here. Um, on the bride of Christ, is the, is the church, is the church, uh, is, is Israel, sorry, this is, this question is kind of worded weird, so I'll try and get through this and see if we can pick out what the question is. Is the church Israel the Father's bride, and who is the Holy Spirit bride? Is Israel representative of God the Father's bride? 
Okay. Me... Um, yeah, so the question is, does each member of the Trinity have this, like, categorical bride with the Son being the Church, the Father being Israel, and this sort of Old New Testament dichotomy people can get into? Mm. Uh, be careful with those assumptions, because it's kind of missing the point as to why a bride was brought up to begin with. Right. Uh, when we're used or given rather this uh, allegorical comparison of Israel as a bride in the Old Testament. The best example is in the book of Hosea, but Ezekiel as well. Yeah. And it describes Israel as a adulterous bride, yeah. uh, someone he committed to, but that are being unfaithful to him. And the reason that was brought up wasn't because, you know, they built the you know whole altar and then Israel collectively got in this giant, like, Sandlot, or not Sandlot, uh, little rascals, like kids stacking on top of each other, wedding gown, and then God, like, kind of kissed some of them and that whole idea. Now, the picture is that there's a committed relationship here that he's being faithful to, but they weren't. A covenant was made, and they violated the terms of that covenant. The same level of commitment and investment in your betterment was used as a description of Israel, uh, not just Israel, but also of the church as a whole, which includes every nation. And we see that in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians, yeah. where Paul said that I've presented you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Yeah. And just like, note the comparison, uh, a bride commits herself and preserves herself for her husband exclusively, so there ought not to be this idolatrous mindset in you. And then he goes on to explain the context of that. The same way he used, and this is in Ephesians 5, this really interesting description of marital roles, and then said, this is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The ultimate purpose of marriage was to reflect aspects of God's nature and relationship. That's not exclusive between members of the Trinity. God's intrinsic nature within the Father, Son, and Spirit are all relational, loving beings. So the Holy Spirit's relationship with the Church is like a bride to her husband. The Son's relationship to the Church is like a bride and her husband. The Father's relationship with the Church in Israel and whoever comes to him on his terms it's like a bride to the husband. I think the way people might, and this isn't, again, a misrepresentation, but get confused in this is when they uh, take what's called a dispensational approach and note Israel categorically as a kind of relationship with God and in the church in another kind of relationship with God and then so on and so forth. Uh, people wonder, like, oh, we're the pre-edemic uh, people or the pre-flood people, the Holy Spirit's bride, or where the millennium, is that going to be the Holy Spirit? It, it, it misses the whole point. Dispensational, and um, it basically teaches that when God revealed himself and established covenants with people throughout the ages, salvation had kind of terms and conditions to it, but these categories of groups all came to God on the same basis. That was faith. Uh, the Noah covenant, for example, Noahites, some people call it, was to basically just get on the ark, for goodness yeah. sake, to yeah. this is God's means of provision and escape. He'll bless you and he'll curse you if you don't. Uh, the covenantal dispensation was you are blessed if you obey me, you're cursed if you disobey me. Yeah, but the even, law of Moses, yeah. Yeah, but the 
entirety of Israel's relationship with God was on the basis of faith, that they would come to him on the same way that Abraham had at that point. Uh, When we believe in Jesus, it's on the same basis as Abraham, which the entire book of Romans goes through, quoting like a beating drum. So again, people get confused by this dispensational and say, oh, so different relationships. No, same terms, but different groups of people. And, And it has its merits and its weaknesses. When it comes to who's the bride and who's the groom and who's the groomsman where does john the baptist fit into this if he's like friend of the bride yeah Yeah, all that stuff and uh, people just follow the context of all those illustrations and note that allegory is describing a purpose to this not a compartmentalization within the trinity that's needlessly complicating things yeah i I think you can get a little narrow with it because you know again there are statements uh, that we find in scripture that uh, definitely indicate that Israel had a bride-like relationship uh, with God. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So there you see this this likening of the marriage relationship to our relationship uh, with God. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 29, John the Baptist said, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine's fulfilled. So you have this, this picture of John the Baptist realizing that he's not the bride, but he's the friend of the bridegroom in this, this set of circumstances. Distinction well, in identity, you know, not a distinction in relationship. Yeah, and, and, and so he's not saying, well, you know, I can't relate to Jesus any kind of you know close and intimate way like the bride of Christ will because I'm just a friend of the bridegroom or no it's just you know, this idea of privilege this idea of joy of being a part of what God is doing in all of this is is the point of emphasis there so I think when we uh, we get a little uh, hair splitting as far as you got this relationship these people had this relationship I think what you said Sean was so right on uh, the only thing that makes us right with God is uh, His grace and our response in faith, yeah. and it has ever been thus right. uh, from the get-go. You, yeah. you know the the different ways that was manifested, the different covenants, the different dispensations of how God worked that out. Different people in different times experienced that love in different ways, but it wasn't like one was you know inferior or something like that. Like oh too bad you missed out right. you know you were born at the wrong time yeah i wish i was part of that uh, dispensation because then that way i wouldn't have to use faith i just had to get mm-hmm. on a boat no you had to trust god to get on that boat that's the point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you know the 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 image uh does uh you know is, is really powerful because it denotes intimacy and closeness and nearness and that's really the point of emphasis mm-hmm. we should take very good Thank you. Well, thanks, Yari, for that question. We've got three more questions coming. Can we do it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll, lighten we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, question from Child of God. It's a great name. Are there different forms of unequally yoked? Can a follower of Christ be unequally yoked in a relationship with another f- follower of Christ? Very good question. Um, obviously, there's examples, for instance, in... Um, Books escaping me, but uh, abandonment by a non-believer. I think Second Thessalonians. Yeah, First yeah, Corinthians. First Corinthians. Seven. Um, that's an interesting situation where if you married into a situation with a non-believer, but you became a believer, the idea is to stay committed because the marriage is what matters, not uh, necessarily the status. But if they leave you, then you're not in a position of sin. They'll answer to God for what they did. Mm-hmm. You tried to do the right thing. When it comes to another believer. Um, 
Second Thessalonians was in my mind because of the idea he and First Timothy as well, uh, he who doesn't take care of his own household has denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer. There's that kind of deadbeatness that can be an unequally yoked relationship, but the the, the essence of it, though, Second Corinthians six and verse fourteen says, "Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers," which is the point of the yeah. passage. And yeah. he's quoting, by the way, uh, Old Testament passage where it notes, "How can two walk together if they not be agreed?" That's yeah. from Amos, I believe. Amos three three. Yeah. So if we want to define unequally yoked relationships, it's not just oh they're a believer and I'm not. It's that can include that, but it's the idea of are we heading the same ultimate direction in our purpose? Yeah. We're harnessed together and we're both walking in unison. Uh, a believer can sin. A believer can act like a non-believer. A non-believer yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, can be a believer yeah. and so forth. Hard to believe. So, so just uh, keep... <laughs> There's yeah, people out there, I guess. That, yeah, yeah <laughs> keep, keep the unequally yoked term properly and biblically and consistently defined, and don't use it as an excuse, which we'll, I think we'll get into here in a minute, but the key emphasis and point is, you know, different kinds of unequally yoked. There's one way to be unequally yoked, and that's to not be in agreement as far as our walk with God is concerned. Yeah, but no, what, that what part has a believer with an unbeliever, 2 Corinthians 6.15 says. But that yeah. can be fixed. Yeah. God can work with that. Yeah. Does that mean there's, if you're at a different level of maturity in your walk with God and you're both believers, you're unequally yoked? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's not what the image is there. Uh, if we're in a place like that, our goal is to help that, not, that immature believer become mature. Yeah. You know, not to say, oh, I'm unequally yoked because this person hasn't memorized 500 Bible verses like I have. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> a little strange. Right, so, right. Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Thank you, child of God, for your question. A uh, question came in through our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. How do you know God wants you to be with the person you're currently with when the relationship has sin in it? So I can only assume it's kind of probably Hold sexual. up your left hand and observe a piece of metal. If that is still there, then God has called you to that. Right. Yeah. But if not, if it's a relationship before marriage and there's sin in it, which I'm assuming is maybe sexual yeah. sin, yeah. And, and, and we get this in premarital counseling. You know, one yeah. of the, the questions that you always have to ask is, are you guys uh, physically intimate with each other? And uh, more often than not, you'll hear the answer, well, yeah. Uh, well, one of the things we ask people to do, because marriage is a holy institution, uh, we, we want to be able to come into it with a sense of purity and, and a sense of uh, a lack of shame and, and uh, you know, no uh, opportunities to look back over our shoulder and say, oh, you know, if, I, if I'd only hadn't gotten involved and uh, I would have. Okay, here's what we usually ask them to do. I said, you know, if you're physically intimate, what we'd like to ask you to do is just put your engagement on hold, uh, take six months and relate to each other as the scripture tells us to relate to one another, you know, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know, abstain from sexual immorality or to possess our vessel, you know, in a way that is honorable and pleasing to God, not like the heathen Mm -hmm. who don't know God, not in passion of lust. So, you know, by doing that, what we don't do is say, oh, naughty person, we're going to put a six month, uh, you know, probationary (laughs) period on you. But during that time, you're going to get the opportunity to rebuild something that really gets sacrificed in those situations, and that's trust. Mm. You know, if we have played fast and loose with God's standards physically before marriage, 
what confidence do we really have long term that we're going to suddenly just because we walk down an aisle continue to keep God's standards within marriage if a person is to love their their wife like Christ loves the church one of the greatest ways you can do that is die to yourself well, a great way to die to yourself and put the other person first is to say I love you so much I'm willing to take a step back from all of this conduct myself in purity so you know that I'm sincere mm. you know you know that I'm getting into this not just because of the the physical bennies and all of this yeah. not because we're doing everything like the world but because I really want to honor the Lord in it and I want to honor you in that and boy if you do mm. that uh, you know there's a real blessing uh, involved with that you know there nobody's perfect and uh, there's like an epidemic of this sort of thing but it doesn't mean that we just sort of well it's yeah well okay you know we're, we're just gonna make it all better by you walking down an aisle right you know we've got to bring forth some fruit in keeping with repentance yeah very good so very good no. one last question can we do it in a minute yeah sure. from diane is it wrong to go to a church where there is a female preacher there's so many different opinions out there these days so well, there's two opinions does the word of god matter and doesn't it uh when it comes to this situation <laughs> but, um, boom. But, um, well thank you for joining okay. us here. Here we go. Uh, in first timothy 2 and verse 12 oftentimes people say this carte blanche that no woman can teach in any sense anyway whatsoever the entire bible has something to speak against that the most direct is in titus chapter 3 but uh, or titus 2 but when we're talking about the idea of a woman in uh, senior pastor leadership or in authority over men. Uh, it's in direct conflict with scripture, and that can be something that either A, weren't aware of, which is weird, or that they're in direct defiance of. If that's their position, then I'd recommend finding another church. But if it's just someone with uh, uh, two X chromosomes that happens to be sharing God's word in a uh, good capacity, there's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure that they're uh, regarding their church structure and leadership in a way that aligns with God's Word. Yeah, the key thing is teacher exercise authority o over a man. Mm. And if you're in a authoritative teaching role over men, you've pretty much removed that standard of Scripture uh, from your conduct. And if you do that, you know, then it's kind of cafeteria Christianity. Right. Well, we like this, we don't like this. Yep. I believe this is inspired, I believe this is not inspired. I would say get to a church where they uh, take the entire Word of God seriously. Yeah, very good. Good job, fellas. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being with us. Great questions today. Stick around for the Book of Ezekiel. In 30 minutes, we're going to go live again. If not, we will see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. God bless you. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.